0: Welcome to another episode of the How Long To Beat podcast. I'm your host, Paula, joined today as always by Josh, or AvaDash.
1: What's up, everybody?
0: And today we bring you the games we've beaten. We haven't retired anything recently, but we've been playing quite a bunch of stuff. And for our discussion topic of the week, we have physical gaming and cultural differences sparked by um, a little something... Uh, going on in Chile with one of our big two at this point stores and mm-hmm. finally we'll go um for a round of a uh, guest game where Josh will quiz me on the game with this week mm-hmm. so yeah I haven't been shit so take it away Josh.
1: <laughs> yep so I get to talk a lot again at least in the beginning <laughs> 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 I don't have heaps though to talk about but um I played a game called tohu which is t-o-h-u uh which is a point and click adventure and it was freaking awesome just one of those random games that i had in my library that i didn't really know much about and was just looking at different point and click games to play because i was i've had a bit of a keen eye on point and clips lately and tohu has basically it's got a kind of cartoony graphic style but the animation and the graphics are like some of the best in the biz And I was very surprised to load up this weird little indie game and just see some amazingly smooth and very high fidelity and well-put-together animations and some very creative uh, designs and that sort of thing. Because essentially you play as, well, (laughs) it's it's kind of a bizarre design world, but that's kind of what's cool about it.
0: Uh Because you're in a
1: world where planets are fish, so
0: oh so that's (laughs) the thing i'm looking at
1: yeah so they're small like they only they might only be as big as say a few houses but they're known as planets they're basically big fish that people live on and on your planet that you're on there's like some evil shadow dude who shows up and starts messing with everything and there's like a machine that they break which is kind of keeping everything together so you go and visit your your uncle And because he's like an inventor and stuff, and he says, you got to go do this. And so you end up traveling to lots of different fish, i.e. planets, um, and doing some puzzles and stuff on each one to get different components and stuff to then bring back to the original planet, fix the machine and sort everything out essentially. And on each planet, there's basically kind of like a boss. If you want to call it that, it's not like a fight or anything, but there's someone living there who basically runs the place. So you have to kind of convince them to give you what you need. And, they're all kind of weird and kooky and have their own little needs and desires and, you know, ways of dealing with things. But it's really cool. And your character, who is, a you know, a girl that you play, she can transform into like this big robot dude who can then lift up things that are heavy, and that's part of the problem-solving as well. So there's some problems where you have to be the big robot guy so that you can lift up something heavy, take it somewhere else, maybe... Fill up a big jug full of water or something, and take it to another machine. Or you can knock down planks and stuff so that you can build bridges from place to place, or you know different things like that. Or if you're the the girl, then the girl can like crawl into smaller spaces and move a bit faster and jump around and that kind of thing. So you have to kind of balance between the two of them and see you can swap between the two at will whenever you want. And yeah, solve the puzzles.
0: It looks kind of cool. Not gonna lie. (laughs) <laughs> well, I just saw like a 3 3D section where they're, they're like a stair section. I think you you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a bit all different angles.
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that one painting wrong, and I re- I don't remember yeah. where it was. But it's like MCS show kind
1: of painting yeah. or drawing.
0: Yeah, it looks really charming. And yeah, the animations are really smooth. Like at first it reminded me a little bit about like of Deponia because of like, I guess like yeah. the cartoonish style and colors, yep. but it looks way different now that I really look at it, like of how the world moves yeah. and looks and works.
1: This is definitely one that you want to look at a trailer to mm-hmm. see everything in movement. Cause yeah, it's got that cartoon. It's got a very solid cartoony kind of style to it that is very, you know, clean and precise and very easily to understand, but, When everything's in motion, it's just, that's when it's really cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, That like, there's some scenes where I just kind of sat there looking at things because it's, each scene is like full of different things. There's little animals like crawling around and stuff and there's different characters doing stuff and yeah, it's just so much fun to just check out what's going on in each scene and perhaps interact with things and, you know, make them do different stuff. But um, (laughs) yeah, those animations are really what made it stand out and, kind of to me it's like top of the class
0: yeah definitely
1: the rest of the game is like the puzzles are fairly easy to to complete and you know the game's fairly straightforward to get through but yeah the uh that obviously the people working on this were very strong in their art department
0: (laughs) yeah definitely Uh,
1: on on top of everything else because you know it's it's obviously well programmed and put together obviously as well but it really shines on those animations so definitely worth checking out (laughs) Uh, I also finished Project, or Dot Project, which I talked about last week. And this is the kind of three-dimensional Picross game where you get, uh, like, a 2D representation of where to put cubes within a matrix, and you basically put them all in the right spot, and when you feel the pattern, it shows you the pattern from, like, it shows you the three-dimensional shape that you've made from like one angle to show that it makes that particular shape and then it turns it around to another angle so that you can see that you've made the other particular shape and it's just a cool little puzzle game again not very difficult Mm -hmm. like (laughs) i kind of just put my mind to it for about an hour or two and breeze through all the all the levels i had left and i'm not that smart so (laughs) it definitely wasn't um that challenging there are ways that you can make it challenging for yourself like much like um, automation games, you can kind of do the thing where you can you can create the result using as many blocks as possible or as few blocks as possible. Uh-huh. Or you can also do it in Picross mode where you have to do, say, it'll say you need five blocks in this column and one in that column and so on and so forth. So there are different ways that you can do it and some are more difficult than others. I tended to go for as few blocks as I could because that just appealed to me. Because you can get really efficient by, you know, you might it'll tell you you're like three blocks over the minimum, so it's kind of fun to look through and think, hmm, I could erase this one and it's not going to make any difference to the result, (laughs) and you know, just kind of get really efficient with it that way. But um, good little puzzle game. It's very, you know, if you do look it up and see uh, what it looks like and watch a trailer or something, it's very much that for the whole game. Just gets you know a little bit more complicated. And um, yeah, it's if you like that kind of thing, you're going to like this because it's it's cool and a little bit different, but pretty easy either way. Uh, Yeah. Another game I played, which was when I got free with Amazon Prime was one called Behind the Frame, The Finest Scenery. And this is kind of like a story narrative game where with, again, beautiful art and animation, it looks like a. It's kind of a anime-style animation. A
0: Ghibli movie. Yeah,
1: it looks like a, a Studio Ghibli kind of style graphics, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, but it has an interesting thing where you, you do play as a couple of different characters over time, but essentially you start off and you're playing as a woman who is an artist and you're in her apartment uh-huh. and in, in front of you is a blank canvas and you have a notebook that you can open up and you can see that she's made a little sketch of what the canvas should look like. So you grab your paints and you start coloring in, essentially, different parts of the painting, but you don't have all the colors on you. So in order to do that, you need to progress the story because then you unlock things and you find different tubes of paint and that kind of thing to then complete the painting that you're working on. And so the interesting thing is that it does is you kind of, when you're doing something, you'll get like a 2D animation and then you'll be, looking at a screen where you're painting a picture or something but then it has moments where it'll kind of put you in the center of your room and you can pan around it like it's a three-dimensional space yeah you can't like move around in it but you can kind of pan around and look at the space as if it's a 3D space kind of like if you're on Google's you know, street view or something without being able to move yeah kind of <laughs> but um and then yeah there's cool things you got to do in there as well like you can again there's a couple of little light puzzles to to solve to unlock things and find art supplies and that sort of stuff you're also very interested in your neighbor who's across the way like your window looks at their window and they're another artist so you kind of voyeuristically end up in their space and look at looking at their paintings and that sort of thing and and there's story behind that and all that kind of thing but um I actually really loved it (laughs) because I really like this kind of game anyway where it's very story heavy and very kind of simple gameplay, but very well executed. Again, the the art is amazing. It's, you know, top of the class. The story, I think, was written pretty well and presented very well. They didn't kind of just hit you over the head with everything. They just let you experience it as you played the game. And, yeah, it was a very satisfying game. It's the kind of game I kind of, if, if it lasted a bit longer or went a bit more in depth, I reckon I would have been down for it because it was pretty short. I think it was only a few hours Or an hour or two long, I'm guessing. Yeah,
0: it is a fairly short game. I actually played this one, like, a while ago. Oh, nice. Um, And I really liked it up until things got a little bit weird uh, near the end. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But that was, like, a small blemish on the uh, beautiful, beautiful game that it actually is.
1: Yeah. And I, I love games where they make you do art as well just because... Yeah, I hate saying it, but as an artist, I'm obviously interested in that stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it it speaks to me anyway. Um, But yeah, just a good little narrative kind of game that, hey, I picked up free from Amazon Prime, so I was happy to play it and enjoyed it. So yeah. I also finished Injustice 2, which I spoke about last week, I think, or the week before, sometime recently. Um, And that's the uh, DC and Marvel fighting game, essentially. There was Injustice, now there's Injustice 2. Although it's pretty old, I think it's not it's not very new. But <laughs> um <laughs> It's cool though. I like it. It's like a good twist on the whole story. The way they I think the success of the first game and then this sequel, it's how they manage to justify having all these characters fighting each other. So, you know, Superman and Batman are enemies, and so you've got Wonder Woman and the Flash and you know, Aquaman and a whole bunch of different dudes and girls and Catwoman and uh, Poison Ivy's in there as well. Um, yeah, there's there's a whole heap of villains and heroes who are all mixed up and no one's on the side that they used to be on. And, yeah, it's a really cool story that I like because it just kind of puts a twist on the usual uh, superhero stories that we've heard because basically Superman is the bad guy. <laughs> And for good reason too like there's justification from that from yeah justification for that from the first game uh, but this game introduces another basically supergirl I guess she would be but she has a name I forget what it was though but she was like <laughs> the bi- <laughs> she was like one of the big characters introduced in Injustice 2. She's basically a another Kryptonian um, who's I think a cousin of Superman who escaped at the same time he did kind of thing. And Brainiac, who destroyed Kryptonian, is now, uh, Krypton rather, is now attacking Earth. And that's why everyone's trying to band together to fight away Brainiac, who's another villain. So <laughs> so yeah, I, interestingly enough, for a fighting game, I really like the story. <laughs> but I think that's kind of what Netherrealm do best these days, who are you know the devs who make it. And they also make the Mortal Kombat series. And Injustice plays very similarly to Mortal Kombat. Yeah, with same sort of fighting styles, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, or same kind of thinking, I suppose, as opposed to, say, Tekken, which feels a certain way, or Street Fighter, which feels a certain way. Um, Mortal Kombat, I think, feels a certain way, and Injustice feels very much like Mortal Kombat, which makes sense because it's from the same studio. So Yeah, I was <laughs>
0: looking at that.
1: Yeah. It's the Mortal Kombat guys do superheroes. So... <laughs> I'm a fan of that because Mortal Kombat's my favorite <laughs> fighting game series, so I'm down. But it was good fun. It was, again, not too long, kind of pretty quick to get through just the story because obviously it's a fighting game, so it's not meant to be a single player campaign, but it's in there and it's a good one. So I definitely recommend checking out. I played it through uh, PlayStation Plus on PS5, and I think you can kind of get it on Game Pass and PS Plus and those sorts of things fairly easily, I think so, but... Don't quote me. Um, Yeah, it was good. And I would happily recommend it. But that's all I've completed this week. Not a whole lot to go on. I'm still bashing away at all the usual stuff. Um, I did play a bit more Baldur's Gate 3, but don't really have anything to say about that. (laughs) Um, So I think that's where I'm going to leave it. Well then. So what about what we've been playing? Because we haven't retired anything, so we're doing good. I see it as a plus that we haven't retired anything for a long time. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah it
1: means we found good games and we've stuck with them
0: even though some of them are on completion limbo but let's not talk about that one um, on
1: hold is not retired
0: <laughs> true true
1: <laughs> so i have lots of books
0: <laughs> so i've been i'm still playing a lot of Apollo Justice: Ace attorney on nintendo switch and I have to say, like, I'm pretty happy that they didn't go with the uh, 3D model route and they more or less kept the original art style of the game. Uh, unlike the original Ace or trilogy that is out on pretty much everything at the, uh, by this point, like, they tried to do like an HD and a uh, thing and really smooth out the graphics. Well, I think like the DS and 3DS version has a little bit more charm to it because of how. It looks like a little bit more crunchy in a way. Yeah. Um, but uh, with Diablo Justice Journey, it really, like, the first game is still, like, 2D, and the other games I have 3D models. But I'm pretty happy what they did with um, uh, the first one. Uh, I guess the fourth game in this year so far. <laughs> um, so I pretty much... Uh, wrap up the first trial where I had to defend a very well-known character here. And of course there was like a lot of factory because of course there's a lot of factory in these games. Though I have to <laughs> say like um, at the release like from the mainline Ace Attorney games, this one has like the, I guess the longest first case or tutorial case oh, okay. um, uh, from the main series. Though if you count, like the greatest attorney games like holy crap, the greatest attorney has like quite the long trial for the first uh case because the the actual culprit just didn't want to admit her fault. <laughs> I remember she did though. Anyway, and so in uh apologies I already met like the uh quote unquote um Maya equivalent, uh aka the side the sidekick for uh to Apollo, aka Tracy. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, like she's so fun. I, I love her so much. She's uh she's a firecracker, right? Um <laughs> and she more or less like uh like care, not cares but like just pulls some pulls um Apple around because he doesn't, like, really have anything else to do at this point of the game. Uh, so I'm on the uh, second case, which is Chernobyl Corner, and oh, holy crap, I didn't remember. Uh, like, I completely forgotten the fact that this one starts, like, all over the place. Like, there are, like, in theory, like, three distinct cases with, uh, which are kind of related to one another. Um... I'm going to leave it at that because uh, more would be a spoiler, but uh, <laughs> I'm happy because I've met like two other of the key characters of the game. Uh, who knows where Ganshu is uh, from the first trilogy, <laughs> uh, but we got Emma Sky and I wrote that incorrectly. There is an e there. Um So uh, Emma is kind of like the... A character that has made an appearance like on the series before. Uh, she was on the first game uh, of the Easy Journey series. She's like uh, one of the key characters of the last case. Uh mm-hmm. and I'm talking about the bonus case and the DS version because the original GBA the GBA version didn't have uh, that last case. Uh so in in her, her um her case was kind of like a showcase of what the DS could do at the time. Like you mm-hmm. could use like the touchscreen to uh, sprinkle like the, the white powder you used to um, uh, dust the fingerprints, for example. Oh, yeah, cool. And you could uh, blow on the microphone to, to pretty much go that uh, white powder, go away and just have the, the fingerprint left. Um and there cool. were yeah, and it also made use of the fact that the TS could kind of like manage 3D models in a in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh not very detailed 3D models, but still good enough 3D models. Uh so you were able like to um inspect items like from different angles and actually be the want to find uh little clues and uh, on the evidence that was kind of like uh, very important on the on that particular case, mm-hmm. um, well, she is back as the head detective um, on on the game. Uh, she's kind of bad because she wanted to be a forensic a forensic uh, scientist, but things didn't quite go her way. <laughs> uh, so most of the time, she's either about him because she's not able to do the things she really wants to do. Or she's uh Mara Clavia, who is the prosecutor on the game on this game. Um who by the way I've already met outside of the courtroom. I haven't seen him in action in this playthrough because uh this has to be like one of my favorite persecutors like most of the persecutors on the ace attorney games are kind of uh are kind of fun are kind of nice like they are have their their own shtick uh Mm. there are like some that are like kind of evil um but they usually don't last long there's mr Payne, the uh, tutorial prosecutor who's pretty much I don't know how he got the job, dude. Like, <laughs> uh, he, he's always messing up, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> but it, it is true. Like, uh, I mean, it's funny because, like, his animation when he's like losing is he usually like loses his hair in a, in a way. You, you have to see it to believe it. Um, <laughs> and in this game, like, for the first case, he had like this ridiculous hairdo because he's kind of like, the top of his head is bald, but he had, like, long hair on the sides, and he looked kind of funny. Um, nice. uh, still, you have to see it because, holy crap, like, <laughs> who was his uh, hairstylist who thought that looked okay? But anyway, <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I'm on uh, Case 2 or Episode 2 at this point, and I'm still just investigating. It's been like, let me check real quick because holy crap. So I have been like an hour and 20 minutes just investigating like the first day because the trials on this game take three days. So you have usually three investigations and three uh, trials. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, like um, the game itself is not very long. I think it's like 20 to 30 hours. 21 hours, uh, I think, methinks.
1: Not long at all. Like,
0: <laughs> come on. Like, if you see like the other games in the series, like that ain't too bad. Like, actually let me uh check real quick. Like f- <laughs> for the first case that it had, like, that isn't like really long at all. Like uh Dual Destinies is 30 hours, Spirit of Justice is 37 hours. Like, wow, and, okay. Don't even get me started on adventures uh, on the crazy Ace Attorney games because they're like two parts of the same story. And uh, between the two of them, it's almost like 70 hours. So, yeah, 21 cool. hours for an Ace Attorney game ain't that bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty very, very happy to be in this part of the game. Um, mm-hmm. I really hope I enjoyed it as much as I did, even though uh some people kinda like look at it like uh the flagship of the Acer, like the mainline Aceran game is like I don't really know why, like you either love it or hate it, I guess. But anyway. Uh the other <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's because the gimmick it has. That's kinda weird. Um like at the release I it was in the first trial, but I don't think it was like it wasn't badly implemented but it was weirdly uh re- written like how how right. out of nowhere like he started like seeing uh like saying like things like hey on that part of your testimony when you recall uh the 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 victim being had on 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 the back of the head like you're kind of like scratching the back of your, of your neck are you right and i'm like i don't know like how that line of questioning was allowed in the courtroom but anyway it's just a game
1: <laughs> okay
0: yeah <laughs> uh i've seen where stuff like come on like the parrot takes the stand there was an actual parrot testifying on one of the games so Chicks i've out. seen worse <laughs> <laughs> Uh True. so yeah, before I go crazy talking about that one, uh <laughs> let's go to Not Tonight, which is the game mm. that uh Josh uh, picked for me to play. Uh mm-hmm. since he won the last iteration of uh, our little guessing game. Uh he, right. he picked Not Tonight, which is kind of like Papers Please in a way. Uh because you have to like I guess control the entrance of people but instead of you pretty much being the the person like in charge of hey are you entering to this country or not it's just like <laughs> uh, you have like little jobs here and there and uh, for example my first job here was uh, pretty much like being at the front of of, of, a, of a pub and uh, only letting in people who had like uh, a valid ID and were like 18 years of or older. Which, by the way, some of the people that try to enter the pub, they they kind of think that you're stupid or something, because <laughs> because okay, it's like the second of January uh, at the start, like when you're actually working at this job, and like it's. 2018 I think so uh, people have to be born like earlier that the 2000s or like just the mm-hmm. first two days of the 2000s um, uh, so people think that you're stupid or something because <laughs> like you look at their ID. they were born like on mid 2000 and they expect you to let them in like on the first day of uh, 2018 uh, and I'm like Oh, dude, or lady, you're not 18. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and then they take their ideas like, okay, I'm gonna do two, I'm gonna go to the other pub. And I'm, I'm like, you're not allowed in there. You're a minor. You dance. Yep. So yeah. Um I passed the first day with almost fine colors. I think I had like one or two left to get like the second bonus, uh, uh money bonus. And oh mm-hmm. yeah, by the way, um, when you start the game, you are able like to pick like the appearance, the voice, and like one the one of the three available backgrounds for your character. And in my case, I got like the uh, Spanish family background. So, uh, more or less, what happens is that your citizen citizenship on uh, on England kind of like gets revoked, and it's like. Well, you've been relocated to this shitty apartment. And if you want to uh, survive and actually be welcome in this country, you have to make a set amount of money. Like on the first one, I'm like, dude, (laughs) I'm barely gaining, like earning like minimum wage over here. How am I supposed to get that amount of money? So I, uh, I was given a letter, uh, a set of instructions, and a broken phone, which is fun. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like uh, I also uh, noticed that you can like level up some stuff, which I'm not sure how it affects the game yet. Mm. Um, so yeah, like uh, the job description says I'm a bouncer, whatever that means. I don't know. Uh, I, I guess I just <laughs> like. Uh,
1: I guess maybe that's like a like an English thing like to call security people bouncers because we call them bouncers here as well they're basically people who man the door at clubs and pubs and that sort of thing and you know, uh, they'll turn people away they'll tell them they're not allowed to come in they'll, you know, get rid of drunk people <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> that kind actually says says slang for a person employed at a club club, disco, etc. through a Drunks are troublemakers, and subdues considered yep. undesirable from entering.
1: Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, in, in the game, I think it's like a it's it was. I think the game was made either during the Brexit vote or yeah. just before it, because it's kind of like imagining a worst case scenario where England has gone full into Brexit and just cut themselves off from the rest of the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like during Brexit, uh, according like from what I gathered. So, mm. this is quite interesting. So yeah, it uh, right now it has like less moving parts like during the actual uh job than uh, papers please, but you have mm. like more freedom between jobs in a way. Uh yep. so it's kind of like a breath of fresh air, even though like the main mechanic is something I've seen before. So yeah, that is not tonight. Um I hope I can continue playing it like uh mm-hmm. for the time being.
1: Yeah, I've got to give it a play as well to remind myself because it's been a while. Since I played it, because I've played it pretty much when it came out.
0: Oh. Um, um, yeah. So you're like, uh, what have you been playing?
1: <laughs> Nothing crazy, although one of them might be a bit interesting for some people. But um, I continue playing Super Adventure Hand, which I mentioned already, where you play as a hand that mm-hmm. is trying to get through levels and there are feet who are coming against you. Yeah, and you move around like a spider, but you're a hand. So there's that. Um, <laughs> It's cool. It's I don't really have heaps to say about it. It's more just going through the levels. I looked it up and I think there's like 50 levels total. So I'm at about level 25 or something, about halfway through. And they just kind of get more complex each time and introduce new elements and stuff. And it's essentially like 3D platforming slash puzzling slash a little bit of um, physics, I guess. Because <laughs> I'm at a level now where or I recently did a level where there was basically four buttons that needed to be all pressed down at the same time to then reveal the exit. Mm -hmm. But to do that, there were, like, garbage bags around the level and ice. So you grab a garbage bag and you kind of slide down some ice to take it where you need to go. So it's a little bit difficult because it doesn't quite go as you want it to. And you kind of leave it on top of a button, and then you go grab another garbage bag and, you know, pull it onto another button and so on and so forth. and um. So that was a bit frustrating because I didn't realize you could actually grab onto the bags when I first started because as the hand, you've got a number of moves where you can either grab onto something or you can flick something, which essentially will, you know, hit it away from you. Or you can like basically jump on top of things that might move. So you can like use your weight to kind of change the orientation of things. So initially I was just going out to these garbage bags and trying to like flick them towards, uh, where I wanted them, but they kept falling off the level and respawning until I realized I could actually just grab them and pull them along, which made it a million times easier. But, um, (laughs) that's essentially where I'm at with this game at the moment. Most of the time it's basically, uh, here's a level, go find a bunch of stuff you need on different branches of the level and bring it back to the center. And it could be like keys where you go find a bunch of keys and you bring them back and put them all in the locks. And then that unlocks the exit or this thing like garbage bags to put stuff on the buttons, that kind of stuff. So it's very straightforward, but it's kind of interesting how they keep changing things up and not necessarily making things more difficult, but just making it a little bit challenging. Uh-huh. It's not the kind of game that I'd get too pumped about and say, oh yeah, this is the game for everybody. <laughs> You've got to go play it. It's just a fun little silly 3D platformy type game. That's not annoying because part of the fun of it being 3d platforming is as you're playing as the hand, if, if you don't quite make a jump, that's okay. It's very forgiving. So let's say you're jumping between columns of stone. If you don't quite make it, you'll hit the side of the column and you'll hang onto it. That's where it's like moving like a spider. Cause you can kind of know. climb up, you can climb up walls and stuff as well as just on surfaces. So a lot of time, if you do miss, you can kind of grab something nearby and you're okay. <laughs> and I appreciate that because it's 3D platforming and nobody needs that drama. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's super adventure hand. I don't think it'll take me much longer to finish. Uh, well, I know there's 50 levels, so we'll see how long that takes, but yeah, <laughs> I will finish it because it's enjoyable enough. Uh, I've been playing some more dragon quest builders, which I started a while ago and I've been dipping into every now and then just on PlayStation. Um, as kind of like a bit of a mindless kind of podcasty game, although I had to think about it a bit last time when I played, so I was a bit annoyed. But, no. Um, <laughs> I essentially needed to find some resources in order to craft what I need to craft, and I forgot, because I hadn't played it for a while, where to go for those resources, and I spent most of the time just kind of cruising around doing nothing for like an hour until I figured out again, oh, that's right, there's a whole teleporty pad that you can take to go to a completely different world. And that's where my resources were that I was looking for. (laughs) So my own dumbness, but (laughs) I should have noticed it earlier, but it's good. It's got, there's enough of a, I think what I like about it is that it's open enough that you can kind of do what you want, but there's enough of like a carrot on a stick to kind of guide you on what to do next. If you want to progress. So you know, I spent a lot of time just kind of cruising around, exploring places, gathering resources, just, you know, mindlessly doing stuff. And then I kind of got bored of that and went, oh, I actually have objectives so I can go do that instead. <laughs> so I went and did some objectives. and As you do. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like it feels like pretend you're playing Minecraft, but you also have actual goals that are set out for you. That's what it feels like to me anyway. So you can just kind of do the Minecrafty thing of just cruising around and looking at stuff and exploring. Or you can actually go, Oh, actually, there's these goals I need to accomplish. I'm gonna focus on that. So yeah, still enjoying it. I'll probably slowly make my way through it over time because yeah, like I say, I don't really progress very much when I do play it. But um yeah, it's good. It's um again, not something I'd necessarily go crazy over, but at the moment, I'm satisfied and it's doing its job. It's doing what I want it to do, so,
0: <laughs> which is nice. Also, yeah. uh, can I add like a couple of things about Super Adventure Hunt? Because like while you were talking about it, I had to go and look at the trailers for it because I don't think I did like yep. last time. And mm-hmm. there's like this animated trailer, like full cartoon mode, and the like the feet are the enemy, and this one feet is like giving the hand like the evilest side eye and I'm it is killing me. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. That's basically the intro movie to the game, which kind of sets up the quote unquote story.
0: Yeah. Also not like not that
1: there is much, but yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, like I'm um, also like looking at the uh about this game section and yeah, like they, they they are taking like the hand theme and like going wild with it because of how mm-hmm. Like the pants, the pants are so good. Like a good handful of levels, customize yep. <laughs> your handsome hand. Yep, an exciting nail biting story. Like <laughs> it just looks so fucking silly, and I love it. I'm I might want to play this like at some point, but not now. The backlog is strong in this one.
1: <laughs> well, Sorry. and I think that's that's why no no, no no I think that's why Super Adventure Hand is kind of it's kind of got its you know claws into me. Oh, it's got its fingers into me, so to speak. Um, that was or nails, so fucking wrong.
0: <laughs> like it, um, it has, it, it has this uh, it, it's a grip on you, pretty much. That that's yeah. worse. Yeah. I it
1: works. Yeah, okay, moving on. Um, because it is, it's it's very it's silly without being crap. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like you know how there are some just completely silly, funny indie games, but they're actually a bit shit when you play them. And they're funny for like five minutes and then you're like, cool, I'm done. See you later. This one is actually pretty just irreverent for the whole thing. And yeah, it's just kind of funny seeing your hand kind of cruise around. And like I think I said last time, instead of getting hats, you get watches. That's how you customize your hand.
0: And you can, so, in, and you can paint your nails too. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's a good silly game. And considering I'm not much of a platformer slash or 3D or otherwise – I kind of figure it's got me interested, so it must be doing something right. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. Uh, the only other game I've been playing is one I started recently because, again, kind of like how I've been on a bit of a point and click binge, I kind of, every now and then, I I, I don't know why, but something that I want to do is play an FMV game because there's something about FMV games that I just love.
0: May I ask, what, are, what is an FMV game?
1: So FMV stands for full motion video
0: which basically means it's got
1: actual footage of actual people instead of like drawn graphics or animated graphics or anything like that.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at it and it, it's kind of interesting to say the least.
1: <laughs> so this one's a game, a Japanese game called Lovers All Around. It's it's basically a dating sim, but it's FMV. So you're con- you're, er, all the characters and everything are played by real people who are real actors. Well, that's a bit questionable for some of them, but they are acting. i
0: think this is actually like
1: a chinese scam yeah yeah it is a chinese scam yep okay i'm getting my i'm very sorry that's horrible to get my countries crossed but yeah (laughs) um actually no that would make sense yeah for some of the content but um yeah so it's a it's 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 basically a dating sim visual novel but think of it as that but with full motion video instead of drawings Mm -hmm. so you you know you basically go through a a series of scenes and you have dialogue trees and stuff where you talk to different people and um, obviously different love interests and that sort of thing, as well as friends and stuff. And you make choices, which will then push you down a branch one way or the other. Um, Yeah. Kind of like any other kind of visual novel dating thing. Um, But yeah, I kind of, I just really like FMV games. Mm (laughs) Like,
0: for um, a second, like, I was looking at it on, on Steam, like, um, I think most of the girls, like, move in a very natural way. But one of them kind of, like, move, like, very stiffly or robotic. So, I was like, <laughs> is this a, a, an actual person or if th- is this a model? And I know it is an actual person who is, like, moving like a model.
1: Well, that's why I say, like, most of them are actors because some of the acting is pretty bad.
0: Yeah. And some of the
1: writing is pretty bad. <laughs> um, but it's kind of, I don't know, I haven't got super deep into it to really know where it's going yet. I've played like the first half hour or an hour, I think. So, yeah, I'm not really sure how good or bad it gets. So far it's just kind of setting things up. But, um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's goofy. It's crap. If you have low expectations, it's a good time. <laughs> Basically, but I find like a lot of FMV games, like especially old games. There's an old classic one called Night Trap, which is a horror kind of, or you know, people are breaking into your house kind of game, and you've got to trap them, (laughs) and that's goofy as all hell. And it's like, you know, it's like Home Alone levels of goofy, and but it's good fun and it's good time, and I really like that. And one of my favorite series of all time is the Tex Murphy series, which is an old series from the 90s that they actually made a new kickstarted one in recent years, maybe 2017-ish, I want to say. But the Tex Murphy series included the games "Um Under a Killing Moon and another one that was famous, which I can't remember, the Pandora Directive. Um, And these were games that, because they were full motion video, they came on, like, I had them on CD-ROM at the time, and they had, like, six CD-ROMs per game kind of thing. And that those games were interesting because they had... They basically filmed real people on a green screen and then put them into a 3D-generated world. So, yeah.
0: Sorry, I had to send you, like, the review
1: that I found. Uh... Yes, Paul's just linked me a review for Loves All Around basically saying, don't go for the young girl. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: And i just like to say that, not that I have any problem with, like, sexual content or anything, but this one is very, very PG. Like, there's no... I don't even think there's any nudity in the whole game or anything, so it's like you know, it's very safe kind of <laughs> dating <Yeah>. sim.
0: <laughs> but and just like 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 the line that says, "Whatever you do, don't go for the young one. She's bringing her youth on you last minute, like a trap set by the Korean police." I don't know, yeah, yeah, that just tickles me. It's like so fucking funny.
1: <laughs> and the last line: "Do not commit to the child. Go with the milf." <laughs> <laughs> yeah going love reviews some days.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, especially, like, on this kind of a game, like, in dating scenes in general, like, some of them are so fucking funny. I love them. Like, I just scroll <laughs> down the reviews because some of them, like, are so
1: out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's that kind of game. It's, it's goofy and it's, you know, the acting's not great and the writing's kind of a bit jank here and there. I don't know if it's just because it's translated, so that could be part of it as well. But, yeah. I'm basically playing it with original audio so I don't understand what they're saying what the actors are saying but it's got subtitles and that's mm-hmm. fine for me you know I watch subtitle movies all the time and everything so I don't really care but um yeah it's it's you know we'll we'll check in on that some other time and see if it gets worse but <laughs> for now it's just a bit of lighthearted fun and yeah something it's that you can just that. have a bit of a bit of a laugh at totally it's it's pure you know, silly entertainment is what I've been playing a lot lately, like <laughs> yeah, Super Adventure Hand and FMV Dating Sims. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. That's it for me. Uh <laughs> Like I said, I've been playing other stuff too, but nothing to really say about any of that that, you know, I haven't said already. So, yeah.
0: so why don't we go to our uh, last three, in a way, discussion topic right now. I say last mm-hmm. three because this. Uh, this one uh, like I thought about talking about this because one of the big two um gaming um retail stores I guess uh mm-hmm. closed stores like uh the 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 name of the store is Setamart in spanish uh, people some people like pronounce it like smart but with a z. And it's oh, like, okay. no, it, it, it's set Like, they, they, they even like went and posted uh, a thing saying, like, hey, yeah, it's, it's set apart. Don't be stupid. But anyway, uh, um, <laughs> uh, the thing about this story is that it's been. Well, it was uh, actually, like, I didn't even investigate the, the, this fucking thing. Like, I must. Uh, <laughs> but let me.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, Paula mentioned this to me as well. And we were talking about physical games and stuff, which is kind of what made us think about talking about this in this way. Because my response was basically like, mm, there's no small stores in Australia anyway. So, <laughs>
0: yeah. So, in the case of this, like, uh, Santa in particular is to be like uh, a store that usually brought uh, some of the lesser known games, like, uh, before they stopped entirely bringing Ochame to Chile. Uh, they were, like, the only store that brought Otome to Chile. Uh, like, mm-hmm. some smaller stores are, like, following suit now that they're, like, bringing Otome, but, like, in lesser quantities, because it's kind of, like, a risk. Like, the fan base here is quite small. Uh, but anyway, the thing about Setup is that in the later years, especially, like, after the Switch release, like, their games never were cheap. Like, uh, for a full retail game, like, uh, before the dollar pretty much skyrocketed into oblivion, uh, we kind of like used to pay a fair price for games, even though it was a little bit over the sixty dollar MSRP. Sometimes, depending on the on the price of the dollar. Uh, by the way, the um, United States dollar. If there was like any doubt into that, but <laughs> uh, since the dollar value in price and they've gotten a little bit more greedy Uh the price of the of games like just, just went it stupid. Like like a game that used to cost like I remember buying a game uh for like forty five uh thousand trillion dollars like back in the day or like for mm-hmm. the 3DS games um beta games it was like somewhere between it was like thirties 6,000 Chilean pesos. Did I say Chilean dollars? Chilean pesos. I'm stupid.
1: That's all right. We'll we'll move on from there. (laughs) So,
0: yeah. (laughs) Uh, But, for example, school and Bones for the PS5 is a whole 75,000 Chilean pesos, which is pretty much over 75 USD. And don't even get me started. Um... What kind of uh, wizardry you have to to even uh, get, like, a console over there? Because, like, um, when the PS5 came out, like, the store had, a, like, at one million Chilean uh, pesos. <laughs> and that's, like, $1,000. And that's clearly over the retail price that it was supposed to be. Uh, yes. So, yeah, like... Uh, this particular store, like, right now, they're, like, I guess they're, like, doing, like, the lining cell like, the lampago, how they call it. Uh, so games might seem to be cheaper. Uh, the stores are already closed. And if I go to the Detective Pikachu thing right here, yeah, the fuckers haven't, like, changed anything on, on their star page Like, um... <laughs> Uh, you can still see that uh, there's um, availability on stores, even though the the stores are gone. Uh, but I guess they're still sending stuff. I don't know. So at some point, they tried to do this thing called Zeta uh, Pass, where you pay a set amount each year, like, uh, I don't know, this was on uh, Chilean Pesos. That's around ten to eleven bucks. Uh, so if you, and that's only if you live in Santiago. Uh, so you don't have to pay chipping, um, and you sometimes get the uh, discounts, which on paper sounds good. But when when they overprice the games, for, uh, like for you to get the bus and pay uh, and pay like the actual price of the game that you that the, 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 there you have a problem. <laughs> and like, even you, it, it, and lately, I've been like checking like the used section, which mm-hmm. used to be heaven for me. And the prices are so bad now. Like some of the games that they have, like the, the Switch games, like the Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, made uh, in the Switch games, they are like pretty much a full price. Mm -hmm. Or more expensive (laughs) than full price, so it's stupid. And don't even uh, get me started on trying to get like a Nintendo Switch. Like you can import it like directly from Japan and it will cost less money than buying it to these fuckers. Uh, Sorry, like um, as you can see, like uh, some things were an Earth over here. And the main reason I stopped buying Mm -hmm. like niche games over there on Zetamart it's because uh, they stopped getting them on, like, day one. And I guess, like, they got some of them, even, like, from Amazon. So it was, like, it is cheaper and faster for me to get it directly from Amazon instead of having, like, this in- intermediary over here. Um, yeah, yeah. We probably is not on a much better position. I guess uh, they're, like, marginally cheaper in a way. But uh, I guess they don't have the variety. But... um the smaller stores like one that uh started like I think just before the pandemic, uh which is Mathogame, game is like let me let me go check it real quick. They well they, they're they're on Funko Pop Hell because they have to sustain business <laughs> in some way. And they also like sell a, a manga and I don't know if like almost they sell manga but their prices. Mm-hmm. Well, never mind, like, the PS5 prices are, like, shit, but, but it's still, like, her uh, PS5, it's still cheaper to get it, like, from this uh, mystery store, I'm gonna say, rather than get it, like, yeah. from uh Seder Mart or, like, Weebly or anywhere else. And not, and even, like, with the big re- retail stores that are, like, I guess, variety stores because they have clothes and stuff and, and electronics and... And all that jazz, um, it, like, the worst thing you can do is fight there because it's somehow even more expensive than the, uh, that's it, the i we played. so yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Before I go on ranting about how the smarter stars are, like, so much fucking better, and I start talking about my serious stores, why, or, like, my favorite ways to get uh, physical games over here, why don't you... Uh, think about how things are in Australia right now.
1: Well, I'm not the biggest physical game buyer anyway, mm-hmm. just because I'm happy to have everything digital and I can get it cheaper that way most times, like True. nine times out of ten. Um, and and I think part of that is because in Australia, those prices you were saying for certain games and stuff are like, yep, that's how much it would cost here kind of uh, thing. Never
0: mind. <laughs> like you said,
1: 70, 75,000 pesos is about 120 Australian dollars. And that's pretty much how much a new PlayStation 5 game is or Xbox game, like console game, basically. Um, like the latest Assassin's Creed or something, that's probably about 120 bucks when it first comes out. And it doesn't go down very quickly because it's console. So console games never go down really here unless they're on sale on like certain times during the year. But yeah. um, for just general kind of prices, that's, yeah. They're usually pretty expensive. Um, it used to be that the excuse was, you know, where we live in Australia and everything has to be imported so far, but that's kind of been shown to be bullshit anyway because they sell the digital versions for the same amount of money. Yeah. So <laughs> a new game on PlayStation as well, if it's digital, will be 120 bucks. So <laughs> whatever. That's why I don't t- tend to buy stuff on console anyway. That's why I've got... My subscriptions, I tend to just stick with that because it's way cheaper to pay fifteen bucks a month and get a bunch of games. Yeah. But, um...
0: <laughs> like one of the excuses that I see uh, for prices on the, for example, the Chilean shop versus prices on uh, retail and stuff is that they mm. have to make it fair for local commerce or something like that, which is like yeah, yeah, fair, but. Yeah, it is bullshit. Like, even Steam, yeah. like, makes games cheaper uh, for Tile uh, versus the uh, United States.
1: Yeah, I mean, regional pricing and stuff should come into it with, uh, you know, general wealth of a country. You know, if, if, if a country is typically poorer or something, like I know some, like, Eastern European countries, which are a bit poorer,
0: mm-hmm. they have
1: lower prices on Steam because it, you know, means they can actually afford to buy the games um and that's why they have like region locking sometimes because that was kind of the problem with g2a for a while was people buying keys in like estonia or something (laughs) which are cheaper and then selling them in richer countries like america and making profits kind of thing so i can understand that and australia is on the grand scheme of things one of, of you know our baseline is kind of leaning towards the wealthier side of life so Games being more expensive here is kind of, you know, par for the course, even though they're not that affordable anyway, in my opinion, because I'm kind of an average dude and I can't afford to spend 120 bucks all the time on games. True. <laughs> it's not like I make so much money that that's doable. <laughs> it's still expensive. <laughs> but, it's, um,
0: they are expensive as fuck. Like, really.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing, though, that we were talking about before, which, kind of sparked this discussion was also uh there's no real they do exist there are small stores here that sell hard copy games um but they're basically non-existent really and if they do exist they tend to specialize in things like uh japanese imports or something like there's a shop in the nearest city to me called Tokyo, which does manga and anime and collectible figurines and stuff as well as imported Switch games. So it's basically like a Japanese-themed store where you can get Japanese pop culture stuff, and part of that is Japanese Switch games. But they're even more expensive than if you bought them elsewhere (laughs) Uh because they're all imported and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it is just a very small kind of niche store that I don't think... Would have shitloads of customers, but enough to keep it going. <laughs> True. Because it's been around for a while. But um, most of the game retailers here are bigger companies like EB Games, is probably one of the biggest ones. And that's, I think they're international. Like, I think they're in America as well and possibly England, if not elsewhere. Another big one we have is called JB Hi Fi, which is, I don't know if that's international or not.
0: I, just don't know.
1: I think it might be an Australian chain. But they do everything. They basically do like washing machines and TVs and <laughs> all electronic goods, basically, as well as they still sell CDs and I often buy CDs from them because they're one of the only places I can get them. <laughs> but um, uh, they, have a big, they sell a lot of video games and computers and consoles and that sort of stuff as well. But again, I'm just looking at their website right now, and they've got, if I wanted to buy Marvel's Spider-Man 2, which came out last year for PlayStation 5, They've got it listed for $109. And that's not even a new game. So
0: excuse
1: me, $109? Yeah. And that's yeah. reasonable for Australia. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the the thing. Like the context is different. Um it gets crazy when you look at like deluxe editions, because they've got a pre order up for a physical version of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, the deluxe edition, and that's $170. Which is a lot of money. Like I'm not pretending it's not but it's still, you know, kind of how it is. <laughs> Like is. They've got the deluxe edition of Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. That's a physical one as well, and that's the same price. It's $170. Uh, they've got Granblue Fantasy for only $84. That's quite cheap. Prince of Persia, the new Prince of Persia is only, out, only just out for $69. That's super cheap.
0: And um, nice. So, <laughs> you
1: know, and that got good reviews too, so it's not like it's a crap game, but... <laughs> So it can vary quite a bit depending on the title, but that's where physical games for me, are. there's no benefit to it other than I can understand people who want to have a physical copy so that uh, there's the idea of, you know, if you buy something digital, it can be taken away from you. Whereas if you have a physical copy, you've always got that copy, which I'd say is kind of arguable these days, especially with PC games, because nine times out of 10, if you put the disc in, it's just going to download it from steam anyway, or, you know, download it from PlayStation Network or something anyway. So the disc isn't really doing much for you, (laughs) especially if they delete servers and that sort of thing. But aside from that, that's another little bit of a tangent. But um, as far as stores go, I feel like the main, the big retailers are the ones who sell games in Australia for physical versions. Um, And it's kind of too expensive for small stores to support it. Yeah. We used to have a lot more of them, especially in the through the early 2000s there were loads of little stores or or even bigger chains and stuff who sold physical items like there's a chain called just game who i think are in uk as well maybe elsewhere they used to be here there was we never had GameStop, stop like in america yeah but we had one, another one similar which had a similar name that was just a different company but kind of yeah like <laughs> but not but yeah um but they've all, they've all gone by the wayside. They've all, you know, disappeared. Mostly because EB Games, being the big international company that it is, can undercut basically everyone else. So they can sell things cheaper than any other store that tries to set up. And JB Hi-Fi sells more than games. They sell, you know, electronics and CDs and music and movies and TVs and, you know, like I say, fridges and washing machines and all that kind of stuff too. So they supplement their departments with the other departments kind of thing. Right. <laughs> and the only other place I can think of outside of that, which is, you know, carries games that are cheap or or uh kind of mainstream prices would be places like Target or BW or Kmart, those sorts of big department stores that have like a game section. So yeah. they'll have like the new popular whatever games and they'll be reasonably priced because it's a big department store. Whereas like all the other game, all the other game stores, especially the ones that just specialised in video games, I wouldn't know where to find one these days. To be honest, <laughs> I'm sure they exist, but I have no idea where they. Were. I'd have to do some serious googling to figure out if there was even one in the same state as me. Um, and yeah, I think it's mostly because it's just not affordable and sustainable anymore. Because for a, a little store to, uh, well, the other thing we spoke about was just population differences between, say, Chile even and Australia. So I think our overall population is more than Chile. I think Chile's got like 20 million yeah, and we've, we've got, got about 25.
0: Uh, yeah, we have up, uh, around 20 million. And last time I checked, you, you had 25.
1: Yeah. So we've got more in total, but we are a much larger country and <laughs> we are way more spread out. <laughs> so my closest city has, I think, a population of about a million. I'll have to double check that. Let me just, or maybe it's five million. I can't remember. Uh, population. No, 1.3 million is my nearest city that I live by.
0: Oh. Whereas I
1: think <laughs> Santiago has 5.6 million. So, And, and to yep. be fair, Adelaide, which is the city I live close to, is not the biggest city in Australia. It's quite small compared to other cities but even if i look at sydney which is probably the biggest that's 5.3 million so (laughs)
0: what the hell
1: (laughs) so when you think about it that way and australia for anyone who doesn't know we're roughly the same size in land as the continental united states yeah so if you think of usa chop off alaska and hawaii and that's basically the roughly, give or take, it's the same size as Australia. But we have 25 million people instead of like 300 million or however many there are in America. Um, so when you th- the point of all these numbers is that <laughs> if you're going to st- start a game shop in a city of a million people in a country that's spread out as much as Australia is, because to get to the next nearest city, it's like 900 kilometres away, which I'm going to convert for... The other people who might be listening—that's about 560 miles, which means nothing to me, but it's 900 kilometres. <laughs>
0: that to me—it's
1: <laughs> about it's about a nine nine hour drive from my house to Melbourne, which would be the closest city, other than Adelaide, which is about half an hour from my house. So you're not getting people coming from elsewhere. You're only serving your own city because no one's driving nine hours to buy a video game from your little store, and
0: <laughs> unless they're like really really dedicated.
1: yeah well that's when we get it posted or we'd we'd get it sent (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) um so then if i'm setting up a game store i am serving uh not heaps of people in the grand scheme of things i am a niche store compared to other stores so my games are going to cost more than eb games or jb high or the big competitors just to pay my rent and just to pay my bills and that sort of thing so that's that's basically why all those stores kind of went out of business because they couldn't afford to stay in business anymore and they didn't have the uh, high enough population to kind of support them as well. So yeah. it's unfortunate because I'm always a big fan of, you know, smaller business over big corporations because screw the big corporations, really. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's unfortunately, that's the way it is in Australia. I'd love to hear from other Australians if you listen to this going, that's not how it is to hear because... I will say one thing that I always uh, remember about Australia is that might be how it is for me in South Australia, where I live in that state, but it could be completely different in a different state or a different city that I don't know about because there's quite a lot of diversity across Australia, much like there is in America in a big country like that. So I could be wrong when talking about, say, the bigger East Coast cities, but I think it's pretty much going that way anyway, because the prices are the same wherever you go. So yeah, yeah, that's that.
0: Like over here we have like a little bit of everything. Uh, like there are like a lot of I gonna I'm gonna say like hot uh, hotspots of uh, gaming stores like Paseo Las Palmas. So what I gather like uh what they do with some of their games, especially like with the newer releases, is that they are like the putting an order uh, together to like get this massive amount of games uh in. Um mm-hmm. pretty much try to get it, uh, like, a little bit cheaper than other stores. Uh, so they can offer, like, the best prices without, like, taking too much of a loss there. Um, uh, besides, if you're, like, a, a smaller store here, you have to pay way less uh, to maintain that store, that physical mm-hmm. store, than... Uh for example we play on Setamart, which are usually the kind of stores that are, that you can find well, Setamart not anymore, but we play that you could find them like in a mall or like uh wherever you find other big stores like uh they have to uh, I guess they had to raise the price of games because they had to uh pay all the stuff that was like uh in all the different places, but also they had to pay the places and uh, to get literally to stores art. But the thing that I've noticed uh, about September in particular is that they don't have a lot of stuff to show on stores. Yeah. Um, which is weird because WePlay still has like piles of games lying around, like still be behind that display glass because no one wants uh, their merchandise to get stolen. But like in a way that... The last time I went to a supermarket, it felt so fucking empty. It was like, why do they even have a store? Because, like, <laughs> they they have a store. So, like, uh, people, especially, like, parents with their kids, like, go there and try to buy stuff. Because, like, hey, I didn't... Uh, I wasn't planning, like, to buy anything. But it seems like the new Zelda game or the new Pokemon game is out or has been out for a while. So I don't I just buy it? Some Some stores, like... Flash and Beats are focused, like, on the retro side of things. Uh, So they Mm -hmm. either uh, buy games and and consoles and accessories and stuff like that from other places and also provide you with the stuff you need to mod it or, like, they Mm -hmm. sell modded consoles. So they had, like, their own little niche market that isn't going away away, like anytime soon like if you're a writer collector here in chile you have the money because it ain't it ain't cheap um (laughs) there are like smaller like instagram stores in a way that you can see like on the uh quote-unquote otaku or like anime uh events or like even like in uh, the the there was once this one store like in an illustration fair that it was like you're not an illustrator. What are you doing here? Oh, is that a copy of the Fireman DS game that I haven't found yet because it is too that expensive to to bring uh, from outside? Oh, and it is like only 20 bucks. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, uh, the other thing is that you have to be careful because the reproduction cartridge market is way, way out there over here. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Um, usually, you <laughs> wouldn't want to buy things like, for example, for from big retail stores. Though it seems since we're on the middle of summer, there's some kind of sale going on here because Azure, as as hell uh, n- n- don't see these prices like every day of the week. Like, oh my god, again for less than seventy bucks. Sorry, this one is actually less than fifty, less than sixty bucks. Well, sign sign me up. Um, <laughs> Uh, again, we have another store that is called yupongatana is is one of my favorites, and I just realized they carry a trauma games, Though they it seems nice. that they're like behind like a couple of releases. Maybe if I ask them to bring uh sympathy keys, I, c- I could get it for cheaper. but anyway,
1: <laughs> um
0: uh this particular store started like just importing things from Japan and now they import things from europe and and u s a and they mm-hmm. they kind of like target a more niche market so they have like a lot of anime games or like retro stuff and stuff like that and their prices are really reasonable like what i think they do is like uh especially like when uh they do something like from was it jibangatana the one that had like the person actually living in japan and they send stuff I'm not sure anymore, but one of the (laughs) stores that import like Japanese stuff actually has a person living in Japan, so they can get, um, they can actually get stuff from Japan without using a proxy. So they are like at at a huge advantage in in the Chilean market because if you use a proxy, you're paying pretty much an arm and a leg uh, because they only sell, they only use like. VHL and what was the other name of the service to send stuff here because God forbids they try to send something via Coros Chile. That is not going to work. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, like um, uh, there are like other stores that don't have a physical store like Mafo Games. So that also cheapens their products uh, quite a bit. And if you uh, pay via like a wire transfer instead of like with uh Webpay, uh, they give you like a little extra discount because they have to pay to use WebPay. Or for each mm. time people use WebPay pretty much. Um yeah. uh, so those are pretty nice. And finally, if you are not happy with the, the things that uh, the smaller store bring, or do you think they're taking too, too fucking long to get things like. Come on, sometimes I want to get uh, an Atomic like at the very least, like at most, like a couple of uh, weeks after release. And some of these stores take like months to get them, if at all. Um uh, like like the the last Otome game the this particular store got was um rating, that was on August. So so yeah. Um you can also import from uh, Amazon USA, which mm. With the pandemic, they struck a deal with Ship Express, um, and they offer free shipping uh, for um, uh, whenever you buy like select products over fifty bucks or less. So in that way, you only pay for uh, import fees, which they're still high. (laughs) Uh, I think they're like thirty percent on Amazon at this point. You sometimes get like a small one, a, co- a couple of uh, refund, but you'd be lucky in that case. Um, but still, like um, sometimes, uh, just paying like the import fees or like just eating up that cost is way better than trying to buy the game here, uh, especially if, if it's like a nature game or like a special edition uh even though like for special editions if you're going to get them like on amazon you have to come hard like holy crap the maritons (laughs) of fire uh like special edition was like live for five minutes and it was gone uh (laughs) so you get luckier with other games that are like as i guess um mainstream in a way because team maritons of fire was uh was on the eyes of everyone because of Persona five and it was like hey this actually is a spin-off of this two megabytes f- uh, thing so i'm gonna buy this um but uh, for games that are like automa games like the the special edition doesn't run out anytime soon, so you're 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 better off like just going on amazon when the puritors drop and do a thing um mm. sorry i've been like ranting so much about this no no,
1: no. i was going to add as well um that I know a lot of people here do use say Amazon to buy games or like if you want secondhand games here, I think you pretty much have to, there's no real stores that carry them. You have to kind of go on eBay or Facebook marketplace is quite popular here as well for, you know, selling and trading things like secondhand stuff. Uh, Like whenever I've had old consoles that I just want to get rid of, I put them on Facebook marketplace and that's how I get rid of them. Um, Yeah and s- sell them that way because yeah there's no real i think i, I want to say that eb games does carry secondhand stuff but the amount of money you get for them is like pointless you might as well just sell it yourself to someone who wants it yeah um it- even ebay would be a better option than taking it to a store because they'll give you like i don't know they'll give you like five bucks for a game that you could probably sell for 20 bucks so yeah but uh i would definitely be interested to I mentioned it before, but I'd definitely be interested to hear from anyone listening who does buy physical games in Australia and if, yeah, if I've missed anything or there's some secrets that I don't know about because <laughs> I'm more of a digital kind of purchaser anyway. But, um, yeah, it's I, I think a lot of it is obviously dictated by uh, location and where mm-hmm. we are and, you know, population and general wealth and income and that sort of stuff yeah. as well as – importing as well because like you talk about importing a lot and that's something that happens in australia a lot as well is if you want something uh it you know most mainstream stuff does come here obviously but there are certain games especially asian stuff like japanese stuff and that that uh, we would import but it's actually pretty easy because we're kind of right next door to asia so (laughs) like yes like japan's not that far away (laughs) in the grand scheme of things
0: Um, By the way, how does it work when you import, like, used products? Like, do you have to still pay, like, an import fee or?
1: Honestly, I don't know and I don't think so. Like,
0: like, (laughs) from what price do you have to start paying the import fees? Because that's another big thing.
1: Yeah, I've I've got no idea. I used to, before Amazon came along, Mm -hmm. I used to buy a lot of stuff from eBay and do a lot of trading on eBay and that kind of stuff. Before Facebook Marketplace, before um, Amazon, I you know used to sell and buy a lot of stuff on eBay from all around the world, and I don't remember paying anything on anything that I bought. <laughs> I just kind of bought it; it got sent to me, and that was that.
0: <laughs> Lucky, because whenever <laughs> I buy anything like over thirty USA USD, sorry, thirty mm-hmm. USD, I have to pay import fees, and it ain't cheap. Like, holy crap! And three USD ain't a lot either. Like, you buy yeah. a couple of books and you, you meet the price or you buy a single game and it's like, well then, that's, that would be an extra 20 bucks.
1: I mean, I did a quick Google and apparently anything that's under a 1,000 Australian dollars does not require any import taxes.
0: Holy crap.
1: Unless it's alcohol or tobacco. <laughs> But stuff over over $1,000, you do need to basically fill out a form and pay, like, I think a 5% import fee.
0: Only a 5%. Yep.
1: Apparently, that's what my initial Google tells me, but it could be misinformation for all I know.
0: Still, I'm jealous. Holy crap.
1: <laughs> but then, you know, there's other things as well. Like, I think I've told the story before, but when we didn't have an R rating in Australia, um, I couldn't buy Mortal Kombat 9, so I bought it on ebay from like an american and had it sent to me in australia mm-hmm. and then um so effectively i imported it and then i found out about six months later that what i'd technically done was import banned goods and i could have been fined ten thousand dollars <laughs>
0: <laughs> i can't like
1: so yeah there's a whole lot of rules that i don't know about apparently
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Which is funny because Australia is well known for having like really tight borders for certain things, especially food, because to protect um, our environment and stuff, we have a lot of like you can't take fruit and vegetables interstate because we have a thing called fruit fly. Yeah, we which have is essentially, them too. Yeah. So to stop it basically spreading, we stop. You can't transport certain goods around the country. You have to kind of, you know, have it where you are kind of thing. <laughs> mm hmm. And and very much if you try and enter Australia with any kind of food that's not, you know, vacuum packed and sealed and everything, you're not going to be able to keep it. You're going to have it taken away. Yeah. So <laughs> Even things like, you know, I know people who've had, they've gone overseas and they've come back with like a, a thing they bought, like a souvenir that's just made of wood. Mm-hmm. But because it's made of wood and potentially has uh... bugs and stuff, they've had it confiscated so that, you know, it doesn't fuck up Australia. Yeah. Because we've had... We've got things in our environment which are fucking up Australia anyway, which from back in the day when no one really cared. So, uh, but that's a whole different story anyway.
0: And again, some things in Australia are fucking up Australia for all I don't know, like emus.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're actually native though. You know, white people fuck up Australia more than anything, I guess. True.
0: <laughs>
1: if, if I'm being honest. But, if you ask
0: um, an emu, that's the answer too. Like.
1: Yeah. But, um. No, one of the main things is cane toads, which is a toad, but they're these big fucking ugly toads. And in the northeastern parts of Australia, like the tropics, it's like a plague, like they're everywhere. Because they were imported into Australia to basically, the joke is that they were brought in to eat a bug, which was eating cane crops, hence the term cane toads. But because the bugs sat on top of the cane stalks and the toads couldn't get to them it just didn't work but they bred like crazy and are basically a plague which is spreading across the country very slowly over years and years and years so it's kind of like you're allowed to kill them as much as you want because they're that prevalent and annoying
0: (laughs) it's kind of like uh when people were having like a rat problem over hawaii because of course they introduced rats and then they brought the mangoes (laughs) And the mangoes is a journal animal, and the rats were like, well, I guess I'm just going out at night. So they now have a mangoose and a rat problem.
1: Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but that's not video games. Oh, um, whoops. <laughs> whoops. <laughs> no, I find all that stuff interesting anyway. But, um, so, you know. But, yeah. I think if you're a physical gamer in uh, – a physical gamer. If you buy physical games in Australia <laughs> – not only are you spending lots of money, but you're going to big, big, big corporations to get them, or you're ordering them online. Yeah. Secondhand, perhaps.
0: If you live in Chile, the mom and pop stores are like your best friend over here, or just imported from Amazon. Mm. Yeah. Other ways, like there's a good deal here and there, but what's the time? Just just get it from the smaller store. It's, it's going to save you lots of money.
1: Yeah. I mean, the last time I bought physical games here was, I think, uh, EB Games had like a Black Friday sale like a few years ago. Mm-hmm. It was whenever Fallout Four came out because the only reason I have that physical is because they were selling it for like ten bucks. The nice. same year it was released, so I was like, "Cool, that's cheaper than I can get anywhere else. I'll buy that." Mm-hmm. And it was literally a case with the Steam key. Oh, so <laughs> that's
0: the reason why it was so cheap.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and a lot of them are like that these days, especially PC games, True. which is part of the reason I don't buy PC games hard like hard copies because they're just kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I'd rather just wait for a Steam sale and deal with that. So True, true. Yeah. But, yeah.
0: Well, then, let's, let us go to the last segment of today's episode. <laughs> um, Josh, what what have you brought mm. today for the class right now?
1: Well, I hope you got your thinking cap on, and I okay. hope I haven't uh, used this game on you before. <laughs> We were talking before the recording where I was saying I really need to make a list of all the games that we've guessed because I'm starting to question whether the games I find on Paul's completion list are ones that we've used before or not. Whoop. So I hope this isn't, but you can tell me if it is.
0: <laughs> I need to complete more stuff for you to have more options.
1: <laughs> but let me see. There's a... Oh, see. There's a comment here which I'm like, that might give it away real quick or it might not. I don't know the game very well which is a kind of a clue in itself I suppose
0: hmm.
1: is that it's not too familiar to me but the good thing about this is there are lots of completion comments to choose from <laughs> which kind of makes it more difficult as well so this person did a main story completion uh, that was 21 hours and Kay. 30 minutes and that's you yeah, pretty average for this game a little bit shorter than most, but pretty much on the money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The comment was, just the story for first playthrough. Okay. Not school mode. Main difficulty on both settings.
0: Is it Tangramba? Maybe. <laughs> uh, is it the second, uh, the second one? Which one has a school setting? Fuck it, this is Danganron Bad Happy Havoc.
1: It is. I thought they might give it away. Have we done it before?
0: No, we haven't.
1: Okay, cool. But yeah, uh, that was one of those those comments that I'm like, this is either going to give it to you straight away, or it might be a bit confusing.
0: Yes, yeah, the. The school setting is kind of like, I want to say like a a new game plus kind of thing. Or like either a late game thing or like new game plus because I don't remember shit about the school thing.
1: (laughs) Uh,
0: But I I had an inkling that it, it would be the case because I do remember the second one having like a mode that I actually played for a little bit. Which I don't remember the name of, but it was kind of fun.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, that was nice and quick and easy then.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well well done, Paula. Yeah. Golf clap for you. <laughs> and I'll give you three points for you. That puts you on four points to my one at the moment. So wow. breaking ahead early again.
0: Is it Trigger Happy Havoc or Happy Trigger Havoc? Trigger Happy Havoc, right?
1: Trigger Happy Havoc. Yeah, it's always go. fun when it's a game that I don't know much about. Like Obviously, I've heard of Danganronpa, but... I've never played them, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, uh, and- <laughs> the games are kind of nuts uh, yeah. because of how, like, okay, you ha- you you well, you walk around this school, but you have trials, and the trials are kind of weird because there's like you um you have to shoot statements to make an objection, and you have like truth bullets that are like your evidence. And you have to select okay. uh, a piece of ed- evidence, put it in a bullet, and shoot the statement that is on screen. So it's kind of it's kind of nuts. And also, you have uh, mini games for some uh, specific segments of the trial uh, that mm-hmm. kind of like help you like uh, come to a conclusion about a certain piece of evidence. So. Okay. Um, I don't remember, like, all the ones, like, on, on the first one, but for example, I think the second one, you ha- was it the second one? I don't remember you had, like, crazy taxi, which, um, you, you had to, like, drive a car and, uh, uh, and get people in the car and stuff like that. Uh, you had, like, one where you have to spell the word, but you have uh, to kind of, like, look for the letters. In one way or another, I think that one has, like, multiple iterations. And uh, I think it was in the third one that uh, actually, like, whenever there's, like, a split in the group where Mm -hmm. uh, half of the people think one thing and the other half of the people think the other thing, you have to, like, kind of, like, select the arguments uh, to fire, like, from the people on your your side. uh, of the field, you you have right. to fire like their arguments to the other people's arguments. It, it, it's kind of weird. It, <laughs> it makes more sense when you play it, kind of. Uh, it's a lot of fun though. so the the first one has like a thing that I didn't read that I didn't like as much, but it got like fixed completely on the second game. So, so yeah,
1: this is one of those games where I do enjoy the comments because especially for main story, the times range from fifteen hours all the way through to 41 hours. Holy crap. And to be fair, the 15-hour one is a replay for that person. But then there's like 16 hours, 18 hours, so on and so forth. But I love the, just this is my own little thing really, but I love looking at comments on Helen to Beat. And so there's someone here who did it in 40 hours and their comment is literally just, how can people finish this in 24 hours? True. (laughs) There's another one which is like, I doubt you can beat it. In a shorter time, and they did thirty hours. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: well, well, you know some some people play faster than others.
0: <laughs> I guess it also depends on the version of the game because uh, from my uh from, from what I remember, like there's the original like came out in the PSP, um, but right. it got localized for the Vita or something like that. I don't, I don't remember.
1: Yeah, most of these are PC or PlayStation Vita but there's also some PlayStation portables, some PS4, some PS5, even Xbox
0: One.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I think especially games where there's like reading and stuff or dialogue, like they can vary a lot because
0: yeah,
1: I've noticed that with like visual novels, like I read pretty quickly anyway mm-hmm. compared to some other people and that's fine. You know, there's no, it's neither here nor there, but that will change my completion time quite a lot because I might read through it a lot quicker than someone else.
0: Yeah, between between the fact that it is a visual novel, even though it has voice acting, like some people will go and enjoy the voice acting, and others will will just mm. press A, X, whatever, <laughs> uh, okay. as fast as possible. But also, there's the fact that since it is a murder mystery kind of game, um, it it happens with days during games. Like if you knew, already know the answers, or like if you're. Uh, it is easier for you to think outside of the box. Sometimes uh, mm-hmm. you will get there faster than yeah uh, than if you if you're not used to that kind of reasoning.
1: Yeah, well, and I think there's some certain genres of games that like, that really lend themselves to that. Like, I think mm-hmm. I, I always find point and click games. There's a lot of variance in times. Yeah, and because I've played a lot of them, and you know my brain works that way, I tend to be on the quicker side for those games. But then there's certainly other games where I'm always much, much slower than other people. True. But,
0: oh, and also I, I forgot this has like difficulty settings. Um, mm. if I remember correctly, like you have more options for to choose from, uh, mm-hmm. when you're like, uh, trying to see like an inconsistency, you're given like more pieces of evidence. So you have to really think about uh, it.
1: Okay. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, cool. I do. I, you know, like I say, I've definitely heard of the Danganronpa series. So it is one that every now and then I think, oh, maybe I'll play that. But it'll probably depend on whether I've managed to pick it up in a bundle somewhere or not. So <laughs> True,
0: true. Uh, it's more available than ever right now because uh I think it's even like on the Switch. And of course, it's on the Steam.
1: Mm. I think, yeah, if it ends up on, it might already be there. But if it's on like Game Pass or PlayStation Plus or something, I'll probably give it a go.
0: I guess that is everything for today. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening to us. If you have any questions, suggestions, or just uh, a little comment to leave, uh, you can leave it on the comment section, or you can reach out to us on the HLV TV podcast at uh, gmail.com. Nailed it. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, See you, everyone.
1: Bye-bye. So long.